the two gloves that make a pair of completely different shapes. Your thumbs are in different places, right? They mirror each other. They're complementary. Your hands fold together beautifully because they are different. And so here we have a case of opposites, not opposing, but being polarities, two parts of one thing. I guess the classic example is two sides of the same coin. Do we ask the simple-minded which side of the quarter is the good side and which side is the bad side? Are heads really better than tails? And yet we continue to see anything different as opposite, and if it's opposite, it opposes If one is good, then the other must be bad. And if one is right, then the other must be wrong. And if I'm holy and righteous and I've got a sense of religion that I know to be good and true and beautiful and holy and sacred, and yours is different, then you must be evil. Beyond politics and above religion... A moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Well, good morning and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School and our class, Wisdom of the Soul. We're here every week, absolutely free and... Uh, I do want to remind you to, anytime you check out this class on YouTube or listen to it as a podcast, if you would leave a little review and subscribe, that helps us a lot. In fact, we're at about uh, 450 subscribers on YouTube, and when we hit 500, YouTube pushes it out and suggests Uh, to people who listen to similar programming that they might like the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. So that helps uh, the long and short of that. It helps other people find us. So if you've not yet done that, even if you don't, (laughs) I'd, I'd appreciate it even if you are always listening live and you never have occasion to go to YouTube, if you could click subscribe on the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School channel, I'd really appreciate it. Just search in YouTube or in Google, for that matter, Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And so too in any podcatcher, any podcast app, Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And if you can leave a review, wow, that's even better. And uh, you don't have to lie or exaggerate, just a nice, sincere, how do you like the show? Or for that matter, uh, my book, Fearless Intelligence, I think we're at... uh, 92 reviews of Fearless Intelligence, which may not sound like much, but actually for a self-published book, that's pretty good. And all but two of them are five-star reviews, so it's a 4.9-star review on Amazon for the book Fearless Intelligence. 
Today we're going to talk about the shadow side. We're going to talk about, as we did in the newsletter, the difference between shadow and darkness. It's a fine point, perhaps, but one that I want to make. And use it as an allegory for fear, ignorance, and evil. So, my point, which I'll make at the top and then bear down on, is that evil exists. There is such a thing. But hold on, cowboy. It's not a force. It exists as an absence of goodness and truth and beauty. So, the struggle with evil may be a mislabeling of the whole concept, and that's what I'd like to explore. Plus, shadow is an allegory throughout history. In the Star Wars movies, we talk about the dark side and suggest that that is a force. And it's an issue I have that I'd like to flesh out because I think we can prove logically that there is no such thing as a force that is dark or evil. That uh, the universe is basically uh, butterflies and rainbows and, and unicorns and and uh, chocolate. It's <laughs> it's all it's all good. Evil does exist. There's gross injustice. There's cruelty. No question about it. But why does it exist? And what is it really? So uh, that's my topic today. I'm real excited about it because I think unmasking uh, the truth about that which poses as evil and approaching it by discerning initially the difference between shadow and darkness and using that as an allegory, light and shadow or light and dark for good and evil will give us some insight that our ancestors perhaps did not have. It goes all the way back to Zoroastrianism and just the binary nature of the way people think. That if there is something good and then there's something that's not good, it must be an opposing force. Today we'll talk about an alternative to that view, which is that it's a polarity. It's a complement that you can't have light without shadow. And the reason that divinity, uh, a universe based on love, would not only tolerate evil, but rely on it. So uh, these are big metaphysical thoughts, big challenging concepts that I look forward to tackling today. Imagine, can I bring you to an understanding that evil exists, but it is not a force, and that it is easily vanquished with uh, goodness and love and truth and harmony, kindness, compassion, mercy. The ancients used to debate whether all souls are redeemable or are some just a lost cause. I will even ask later today, as we talk about so-called hell, and Satan or Lucifer, whoever or whatever that is, does he run hell? Is he the CEO or does he work for God? And is he confined to hell or is he free to come and go as he pleases? 
And what is the devil's relationship with God? All of this a personification for good versus evil. But again, is it really a struggle? Are these opposing forces? Or is this a matter like light and shadow of something real that exists as an energy and something that exists only as the absence of that energy, but not any force unto itself? Let's tackle that head on. I'd like to begin, as we always do, with an opening meditation, opening focus. And I'd like to try something a little bit different. Better than before, rested and relaxed and uh, filled with reverence. It's a nice word, isn't it? Much is made of gratitude. Keep a gratitude journal. Write down all that you have to be grateful for. I think that's a great idea. I've been thinking about the word reverence lately. thought I'd share that with you today. All right, now let's uh, pivot on our heels and take a look at the shadow. The dark side. The nature of evil. I hate to use the word wickedness because... It really defames the Wiccans. Wicca or Wiccans are uh, pantheists, people that worship the divine through nature. And they, uh, they practice certain magic and potions and pills, but they're healers. And to uh, create this archetype, which Hollywood has really done a great job of... Uh, creating this image of the wicked witch, you know, with the black hat. The cone hat is uh, interesting. You know, the uh, the cone hat that the Wiccan, the witch, wears is really a dunce cap, isn't it? Uh, if you think of the uh, wizard, also a wizard will have a similar cap in, you know, certain drawings and and illustrations and such. Have you ever thought about that? How a, a wizard's hat or a, a witch's hat is the same as a dunce cap. And the fact that it's triangular, that it points up, is a suggestion that something about the hat could bring wisdom down or could connect us, in a sense, to our overshadowing soul. That's the whole idea. It's sort of like the allegory of the pendulum, which uh, swings at the base, representing the flux and the change of life. But the paradox of the pendulum, of course, is at the very top. All of this movement is flowing out of a point that is fixed and unmoving, and that would represent divinity. So the idea that uh, God is above us in the sky, a sky god, is uh, an ancient concept, given what we know about the universe, about our galaxy, the size of the universe, the nature of the universe. Ultimately, you know, there is no up or down or left or right. There's no north or south. All of these are relative concepts. So there is no above or below. Even the idea that outer space is somewhere else. <laughs> it's sort of silly if you think about it. 
or speed. You know, speed through space. How fast is that rocket going? How fast is that rocket to Mars? Well, you know, speed loses its meaning without some object. It's all relative. Speed is relative to a particular object. So if you're in deep interstellar space between galaxies and some huge void, it's easy to recognize that there is no speed. It's just total arbitrary convention. Not to get too far afield, wicked comes from this Christianization of uh, the occult. Even the occult, which simply means hidden, is often portrayed, is typically portrayed as evil. And so the witch is evil. Of course, there are some stories, you know, Wizard of Oz, we had a couple of bad witches. We had a couple of good witches. Glenda was a good witch, right? So I think that probably upset some of the uh, more rigid, dogmatic Christians. And others, too. Concepts of evil exist in all religions and philosophies. But what I want to point out today, what I want to help develop, and the great psychoanalyst Carl Jung writes about this also, the shadow side in human beings. The shadow, according to Jung, the dark side in each of us is simply the ego. It's the persona nature. It's what in Sanskrit is called the jiva nature. It's the unenlightened view that we are, the container in which we dwell. To believe you are your ego or your personality, to believe you are the part of you that uh, is separate and either superior or good enough or inferior to others, that all this judgment and this identification of the separated self needs to be reconsidered. And the way in which it supports this idea of the other. You know, even Pythagoras wrote at one point that the number two must be evil because it is not the number one, which is sort of silly. You'd expect Pythagoras to have it a little more together than that. But this is rooted in ancient philosophy, particularly in Persia, the Zoroastrian, we see it, where you have the concept of good and goodness, and anything that is other than would have to be bad and opposite and struggle against it like a tug of war, right? Two people in a tug of war, two forces pulling against each other battling each other. And there have been some wonderful attempts through history to reframe this as a matter of polarities, two parts of one thing, rather than opposite forces. Now hear me clearly, this is an important distinction, that the whole idea of the other, that comes from the confusion around individuality and being, you know, at once, all part of one thing, and yet incarnated into these separated forms, believing you're the body the way some people believe they are the car they drive or or the house they live in or the clothes they wear. 
And we do know people that believe that, right? That's who I am. Uh, God forbid that I should be this naked ape or the way I think between my ears or the way I feel in the center of my chest. I'm, uh, my ethics, my values, my virtues, no, no, that's not who I am. Look at this car. Look at this house. I must be good and smart and successful and, more importantly, powerful and on and on. It's all nonsense and it's all binary and it's all aggravated by anxiety and stress and fear. The more stressed and fearful we are, the more likely we are to see parts of one thing as opposites. And so the North Pole and the South Pole of a bar magnet, for example, do not struggle with each other. The two gloves that make a pair, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that a pair of gloves is one thing. Those gloves are completely different shapes. Your thumbs are in different places, right? They mirror each other. They're complementary. Your hands fold together beautifully because they are different, you see. And so here we have a case of opposites, not opposing, but being polarities, two parts of one thing. I guess the classic example is two sides of the same coin. Do we ask the simple-minded which side of the quarter is the good side and which side is the bad side? Are heads really better than tails? Or is tails more significant, more powerful? Is that the primary side and heads the secondary side? Is one side better than the other? It's absurd on the, on the surface of it. And yet we continue to see anything, I'm generalizing now, it's most of us most of the time, anything as different as opposite and if it's opposite, it opposes. And as, if one is good, then the other must be bad. And if one is right, then the other must be wrong. And if I'm holy and righteous and I've got a sense of religion that I know to be good and true and beautiful and holy and sacred, and yours is different, then you must be evil. You must be working for the devil. And so my primary point in this class today is simply to distinguish a very important difference between opposites, like in chemistry, a base and an acid, alkaline and acid, and where they fall on the pH scale, I suppose, that's just off the top of my head. You could think of that as opposites, okay? Or sports, there's a lot of it in sports. We see it in war, for example. We see it in politics. But then to carry it over in religion, I mean, we have Christians killing each other around the world because you love Jesus differently than I love Jesus. And if you don't love Jesus the right way, I'm going to prove how much I love Jesus and Jesus is on my side by killing you. And we see that in Ireland as an example. But how different is it when it spills over into other religions, Muslims and Hindus or 
Muslims and Jews or Christians and Jews, the fascists, the anti-Semitic fascists. And it just goes on and on. You're different, therefore, there must be opposite. And more often than not, it's a matter of polarity, not opposition. Two parts of one thing, the way your left hand meets your right hand, polarities, like North and South Pole on a bar magnet. You cannot have a North Pole without a South Pole. You can't have a yin without the yang. And the Taoism symbol is a great example where the black and white are attributed to two sides of that Tao symbol, but they curve. There's a sine wave, a vibration of energy that goes through the center of that. And then there's dots of the opposite in each, suggesting there is no 100% black or 100% white. The pendulum can never swing so far to one side that it's not eventually drawn back toward the center, you see. So it's about balance in Taoism and harmony. And yes, there is some dualism here, but it's not an exclusive opposition. And it's so important to understand that when we look at good and bad, at right and wrong, at holy and evil. Now, when we use light and shadow, it's such a great example. Certainly, darkness exists. Darkness exists as the absence of light. Shadow is slightly different. Shadow is a quality of light. You could say, well, the shadow is darkness. Yeah, but it's cast by the light. Darkness is a void. It exists as the complete absence of light. But shadow is cast by the light. And the shadow has form. It has a shape. It has a size. It has a depth. It is, of course, grossly distorted and exaggerated. But nevertheless, the shadow is a function of the light, and it's necessary. This is the point. The shadow is necessary for the light to reveal anything to you. If we had only pure light with no shadow, you couldn't see anything. The contrast is essential. Any artist or photographer will tell you that once they begin to recognize that what they're working with is light and they want to create some depth of field and that's what shadow does it helps to define things so shadow plays a very necessary and important role with light is it possible that wrong plays that role in contrasting right and that evil plays that role in allowing us to recognize goodness and Instead of this ancient Zoroastrian model of good and evil fighting against each other, could we begin to see good and evil as working together as part of the same thing? Now, this is, an this is a universe of energy. This is a universe, we can call it spirits, the same thing. Energy is spirit, spirit is energy. So if a metaphysical or religious or philosophical person says, all this matter, all this material form is simply an outpicturing or a manifestation of energy. 
of spirit. The religious person would say spirit. So God created the material universe. The spirit created all this solid stuff. The physical universe, the stars, the galaxies, the interstellar gases, the nebulae, the asteroids, the planets, the stars. Did I say stars? And all of the elements of the periodic table that are made inside stars become available as the stars explode. Well, Einstein said the same thing, that energy equals mass at the speed of light squared. E equals mc squared. E equals m. Energy equals this material stuff. It's the same principle, don't you see? Einstein did. He was quite the mystic. He just didn't go on about it very much. There are a few little hints that he understood that the parallel of everything material seemingly solid is really only energy and that the relationship of matter to energy or the material world to spirit is like ice to water. Ice is solid water, or we could say water vapor. These are states. Water, whether it's vapor or liquid or solid ice, is still water. It's still chemically the same molecule, right? H2O. But it comes in different states. That's all material is. So spirit and matter work together. They're two forms of the same thing. Why can't holy and evil be two forms of the same thing? Is that why God tolerates the devil? Is that why he put Satan in charge of running hell? Is Satan really the CEO? Is Satan Lucifer, whatever name you have for this personification of evil, this little guy in the red underwear with the pitchfork and the horns, modeled after the Greek or Roman god Pan and the lover of life, that's that's really who Satan is modeled after, it's Pan. Seems to me if the devil had any agency or independence, that hell would be a festival of depravity. Right? All the vices would be celebrated and none of the virtues. But instead, we're told by organized religion, that hell is a place of eternal damnation. And that if you don't qualify for heaven, you go to hell. Catholics had this in-between place for a while, purgatory, but they gave up on that for some reason. Purgatory, you would burn for a while and then get purified and then released, I guess. They dropped that in the 60s. But we're told by the fire and brimstone preacher that it's eternal damnation, which means the devil works for God. He's running hell according to the rules that God sets down. So he doesn't, he apparently is not independent. He's working for God. Ask a Christian about this, do it respectfully and with kindness because they're going to freak out. They don't have answers for this stuff. Who's running hell? And is Satan confined to hell, or can he come and go as he pleases? Remember Philip Wilson? The devil made me do it. Does the devil do that remotely from hell? Tempt us? Cause us to be sinners? Is that done remotely from hell? Seems to me Satan gets around and 
he's supposedly a fallen angel that didn't behave, and so he was put in charge of hell. I'm not sure if he's confined or if he gets to come and go as he pleases. And you chuckle while I say this. I know you're, I know you're giggling. But this is serious stuff. Millions and millions of people are terrified by this whole idea that if you're a sinner, if you're tempted, if, if you have a negative thought, or you do something that you're later embarrassed of, that uh, it's evidence that uh, you're going to burn in hell. And of course, it's all attributed to Eve eating the apple and the snake tempting Eve. And then Eve said here, and then Adam ate the apple, and oh, now we're all we're all screwed. It's all based on this binary, this dualism of good or evil rather than good and evil. <laughs> you see? Of opposition rather than polarity. Where the good and evil, the idea of polarity, is two parts of one thing. So I'm suggesting to you that evil is, first of all, extant as the absence of goodness in need of redemption and that it can be refined or redeemed or uplifted, even though many evil people appear to be absolutely committed and dedicated to being corrupt and non-virtuous. Self-centered and materialistic is really where it begins. That's, that's the core of what evil is. Just being selfish, self-centered, not caring about anybody, not recognizing the harmony, much less the unity in the universe. And then the corruption and the willingness to be arbitrary <laughs> to see the other based on how much melanin is in your skin, right? Well, I'm superior because I'm white, excuse me, because your ancestors went north to a cold climate and you lost the melanin, that makes you superior. Two classes in sociology and one in psychology, maybe a little anthropology, you can see the insecurity in white supremacy. <laughs> it's a total inferiority complex that you that you would have to posture and believe you're superior. And so that makes you not only superior, but the good one. And people of color are bad. Muhammad Ali talked about this once. It was hilarious. He said, you ever notice that white cake is angel food and Chocolate cake is devil's food because that's dark. Come on, it's 2023. I think we can figure out and work in our minds and in our hearts with this distinction between polarities, two very different, seemingly opposite forms of one thing, like the poles of a bar magnet or the yin and yang of anything. Again, I keep coming back to the left hand and the right hand, which are complete opposites, and yet the way they fit together so perfectly. And there's countless forms of that. 
the distinction between two forms of one thing and true opposition, a tug of war, so that evil is necessary as a shadow, not darkness, but as a function of goodness to create a contrast to allow us to recognize where we can improve ourselves, where we can redeem ourselves, ways to get better, and then eliminate this idea of heaven or hell and see our lives, whether you're stuck on the idea of one shot or many, reincarnation, transmigration, as an evolution, as a redemption. We all have negative thoughts. We've all made mistakes. We're all sinners. That doesn't make you bad. That doesn't make you evil. If you would like to do better anyway, if you're committed to it, you just absolutely don't care, and you're fully on board with corruption, you can call that evil, but it's just a misguided soul. They still have the potential if not in this lifetime, in another, if not in this form, in another. That's why I think reincarnation and karma makes so much sense. If you're evil and corrupt, how about another lifetime where you experience the effects of that cruelty in your next lifetime so that you sort of figure it out? That's what it takes. And imagine living in a world where instead of seeing all differences opposites, God, what? no wonder we suffer if we really believe that any different is an opposite. And I know I'm right and you're different in some little way. Maybe we agree on 95% of a particular topic, but this 5% over here we disagree and that makes you wrong because I know I'm right and now I'm angry and now I'm filled with hate and prone toward violence because I'm mentally and emotionally crippled by dualism, by binary thinking, and seeing polarities, the yin and yang, as opposites. Remember, you can't have a yin without a yang. You can't have a North Pole without a South Pole. When you think of energy, your spirit, think of the sine wave. Waves are easy to see in water. There's a peak and a trough, right? You've never seen a wave with all peaks and no troughs or all troughs and no peaks or crests. <laughs> they are a function of each other, apparently opposite. The crest or the peak is above sea level. The trough is below sea level. There's something in the middle at sea level the crest is not the good part and the trough the bad part. <laughs> it's necessary for energy to move. <laughs>